If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis 24. God leads a servant. As you think about the idea of leading, as you think about the idea of guidance, I want you to ask yourself and think with me about the idea of when do you seek guidance? You know, I, I, I typically um, don't really like to admit that I need guidance, um, especially when it comes to the area of directions, um, getting from point A to point B. But over the years, I have learned that it is best if I um, humble myself and I'm willing to seek instructions, uh, primarily from things like Garmin and Google Maps. And so one of the last things I purchased as a single man was Garmin, right? Before my wife and I got married, I figured that would be a helpful thing because we were honeymooning in uh, the continental United States. And I figured driving and trying to find numerous things could be a source of stress if we are not uh, sure as to where we are going and how we are getting there. And so that was my last purchase as a single person. Um, but I also need guidance sometimes for even the regular mundane aspects of my life. Uh, a, a number of months ago, I used to regularly visit John Mondo in the Norwalk Nursing Home. And I would regularly, even though I kind of knew what I was doing, I, I, I knew the road, I knew where I was supposed to turn, even after I got to that point, there were a number of times after that when I would visit him, I would still pull out my phone, I'd still put it into Google Maps, and I would still follow Google Maps religiously as it told me how to get there. And one day I forgot to pull out my phone and I was like, I got this. And I got distracted as I'm driving, and all of a sudden I get to Dubuque Street, and I'm like, I've done this all wrong. I need to, <laughs> I need to turn around because I have passed my turn. I am not headed in the right direction. I need guidance. You need guidance. And God is the ultimate guide to life. And that is really what Genesis 24 is teaching us. Genesis 24 teaches that God's covenant love is seen in his guidance. And God doesn't demonstrate his guidance. God doesn't give us his guidance just so that we can continue on as we were. He wants us to respond faithfully to him. He wants us to respond in obedience. He wants us to respond with worship. He wants us to respond by seeking him. If you would take your Bibles and let's turn to Genesis 24. We're going to try and hurry because if you're in Sunday school, I told you that none of you would come back because it's 67 verses. But some of you did come back, so that's amazing. Anyways, Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Verse 6, But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, 
and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking that, Behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, let me, a drink, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to her head, hand and gave him a drink. And when, he had finished giving, and when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Verse 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the men took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold and said, Whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Melchah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Then the man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told his mother's household these things. Now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban, and Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists, when he heard of the word of his sister Rebekah saying, Thus the man spoke to me, that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared for the, the house and a place for the camels." Then the man came to the house, and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, Speak on. 
So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. And he said, But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way, and you shall take a wife for my son from my family and from my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family, for if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists, and I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the God of my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left hand. Verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard these words that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold and clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning, and he said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away, so that I may go to my master. So they said, We will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah to their sister and her nurse, their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servants and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebekah and her maids arose. They rode on the camels and followed the men. So the servants took Rebekah and departed. Now Isaac came from the way of Beer Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south. 
And Isaac went out to meditate in the fields in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel. For she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you are a God who guides. We pray that as we are once again encountered with the truth that you are a God who guides, that we would be willing to follow you in obedience. We pray that your word would lead us and that it would instruct us and that we would have humble hearts before it. And in your name we pray, amen. It's a big passage, but it's a big message too. God guides. And as you begin looking at the text, I've divided it up so that you see the, the responses the various people take to the fact that God is a God who guides. And then as we look at these different people's responses, those are the very same responses that you and I must take as we encounter God's guidance, as we are directed and led by God these responses that we see Abraham, the servant, Laban, Bethuel, and Rebekah take in response to God's guidance, these are the same responses that you and I must take as we respond to a God who guides us. Abraham, though, at the very beginning, responds with faith in a God who guides. And this is in verses 1 through 9. Abraham has been faithfully blessed by God. Abraham has way more than he started out with. This is like 65 years, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, after he entered this promised land. And God has abundantly blessed Abraham. And one of the ways that God has blessed Abraham is that Abraham now has a long-awaited son who is now at marriageable age. And he needs to have his son get married so that this promised blessing of a nation can continue. Because if, unless there's more kids, there's not going to be a nation. And so he's seeking to have that happen. And he, he wants his servants to acquire a wife for his son. And so he's going to send his servant up to meet his family. And as his servant meets his family, he's supposed to take a wife from Abraham's uh, immediate family, that, that group that would have been kind of the family nucleus. And he doesn't want the servant to take a wife from the Canaanites. And the servant is a little apprehensive about this. Like, okay, you've been gone for 65 years. How many letters have you written home, Abraham? You know, like, why are they going to send your daughter with me to go marry this guy? Like, let's think this through. 
And so the servant is apprehensive. You see that in the text quite clearly. And Abraham's response is that God will provide, that God will guide the servant as he journeys. Look at verse 7. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Abraham believes God will guide. And so Abraham responds in faith. He's trusting that God will continue to guide. He's like, if God has guided up to this point, God's guided me to come to this land, God has provided for me and cared for me for the last 65 years, then if this is God's will, God will continue to provide. And if he doesn't provide in this way, if he doesn't guide you in this way, what does he say? He says, you're free from this responsibility. The big idea that we gather from Abraham's life is that God's guidance leads to faith and obedience. God's guidance should lead you and me to faith and obedience. And this idea that God guides, that God leads, that God directs our paths and leads us where he wants us to go is actually a timeless truth. That is the, the pro predominant idea about who God is that was true 6,000 years ago, was true 4,000 years ago, was true 2,000 years ago, and will be true 2,000 years from now. It is a timeless truth. And from this timeless truth, we build the actual response. How do we respond? And one of the ways that you and I must respond is by choosing to place our faith in God's guidance. As you and I go through circumstances, as you go through illness, as you go through disease, as you go through different trying circumstances, you look out and you see the circumstance, you see the situation, and it can be really difficult to think, God is guiding this situation, this illness, this disease. And so are you and I living out our belief that God guides? It's really easy to simply say that God guides. But are we living that out in our practical day-to-day -day life? If you and I say that we believe, we should also be demonstrating it in how we act, how we live. Is your life pursuing faithfulness to God? If you and I believe that He's guiding, we should be willing to trust our entire being into His hand because He is guiding and He is caring and He will bring about what He thinks and actually knows is best for our lives. As you continue to move through the text some more, though, you see the servant. And as the servant interacts with, with this idea that God is a God who guides, we continue to develop even more of an understanding of how are you and I supposed to respond to God's guidance? What does God's guidance call on me to do? How am I supposed to live in light of it? 
The servant responds in faithful obedience, and he, he begins to head out on his journey. This is in verses 10 through 49. The servant then took the, the ten camels, and he takes the master's other servants that he's going to accompany him on his journey, and he sets out on a relatively long journey, especially if you're on camel, right? It's not a fun journey. can't be. He responds in faithful obedience. He believes that God will guide. And as he enters into the boundary area of this place, what does he do? He goes to God and he seeks God's guidance with a test. He asks God to give him a sign to show him that this is indeed God's leading. And what is his test? In verses 12 through 14, you see what he, te- what he asks God. He asks God, guide me. Help me to know for sure that this is your leading, that this is your direction in this situation. Then he said, O God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show its kindness is actually the idea of covenant faithfulness. It's picking up on the idea that Abraham and God have entered into a covenant in which Abraham doesn't have to fulfill anything or do anything for that covenant to come to pass. It's God's covenant faithfulness is the idea that's being emphasized here. Show your covenant faithfulness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will Also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown covenant faithfulness to my master. He's seeking God's guidance. He's seeking God's care. He's seeking God and he wants God to demonstrate that he is guiding by fulfilling a really kind of crazy test. Because if you know how much camels drink, like, it would not be my initial response when you ask me to give you a glass of water to be like, absolutely, and I'll draw, you know, possibly 20 to 100 gallons of water for your camels. And you got to understand that the pitchers traditionally only had like three gallons. Ugh, like, that's a lot of water to pull out of a well. I'm not signing up for that voluntarily, okay? This is something that's like nobody would do unless God orchestrated the events and brought it about. How do you and I, though, seek God's guidance? The way you and I go about seeking God's guidance is drastically different from the way that Abraham's servant went about seeking God's guidance. You and I do not seek God's guidance by offering God tests and requiring signs of him to demonstrate what we're supposed to do next right like i used to really kind of wish that i could make decisions and be guided that way like i've told you about my machete and i've told you about losing my machete and trying to bribe god into fighting my machete but i I used to think that it would be really nice that if i could like leave my machete outside in my wheelbarrow that i'd cut the grass and put the grass in for my sheep If I could, like, leave the machete out there, let the dew fall on it, and there'd be no rust on the machete, that's like God's guidance for this direction or for that direction. Kind of like, you know, Gideon and the fleece. It never worked. But, you know, like, 
That's how I kind of wished I could have got God's guidance. But that's not how God guides. How does God guide you and I? How do you and I seek God's guidance? One of the things that you and I must do if we're going to be guided by God is we must pray. What does your prayer life look like? Are you regularly approaching God, asking Him to reveal His will for you? Another area, another means by which we can seek God's guidance is by hearing God's Word preached. Are you pursuing, are you seeking after opportunities to hear God's Word presented to you? And after you hear it, are you seeking opportunities to actually live out those truths? Another opportunity is your counselors, your friends, people that will lead you and direct you as you go through life. Are you seeking those opportunities to have God guide you? And then finally, your own time in God's Word is another opportunity that you and I have to be guided by God. As you read God's Word, as you meditate on God's Word and allow it to transform your worldview, you are guided by God. Is that true of your life? Is that something that you are regularly pursuing? It's interesting. As you look at the request, his request is earnest, right? He wants this to happen. And he wants it to happen like right now. Okay? Are we approaching God, seeking his guidance with the same earnestness that he approaches God and seeks God's guidance? But he doesn't just seek God's guidance. As he sees God's guidance, God blesses the servant with an answered prayer. And as he sees that, he quietly observes, ensuring that this is actually God's leading. In verse 21, you see this. He sees Rebecca come. Rebecca says, yeah, I'll, I'll give you water. And not only that, well, I'll also give all your camels water. And I'm like, I don't understand. That's not, that's not my initial reaction. But verse 21, he's observing. He's like, is this really the woman? And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And as he quietly observes, he then asks her, who are you? In verse 23, tell me please, or sorry, um, verse 24, So she said, I am the daughter of Bethuel. He asks her, who are you? Um, Who is your father's house? And is there room for us to lodge? In verse 23 and then verse 24, she says, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we both have straw and feed enough and room to lodge. It's like, it is the right girl. Not only does she fulfill the requirement of my prayer, asking God to guide me, to show me. But also, Abraham said, this girl's going to be part of my family. And Nahor is part of Abraham's family. And he's like, it's the right girl. 
And as he realizes that she is the right girl, what is his response? In verses 26 and 27, you see that he worships. Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. It's interesting. It's like the servant is just bowing down in worship. He's prostrating himself. And meanwhile, Rebecca's running off home. She gets home and she tells everybody, you know, I met this guy. This is where I got all these gold and jewelry pieces. And Laban, her brother's like, we got to go find this guy. <laughs> and so a little bit later, you're going to see Laban come and find the poor servant who got left in his little own worship service that he got kind of lost in. Um, and he's like, you got to come home with us. Okay. Is that your response to worship? Is that your response to God in worship? As you see God's guidance, God's care for your life through your own time of reading God's word, through your time of prayer, through interacting with wise counselors, wise friends, through listening to God's word preached, as you encounter God's word and you are guided, you are led to truth, to how to respond in difficult situations, is your heart drawn to worship? That should be a natural response to God's leading, to God's guidance. It is in the servant's life and it should be in ours. I mean, the servant is completely lost in worship. Like, my inclination is like, okay, thank you, God. And then you like hear the pitter-patter of feet running away. And it's like, wait, you're the girl. You're supposed to stay here. I'm supposed to take you back with me. Not to like stay bowed down worshiping and have to have the brother come and find you at the well still and tell you, okay, this is the way home. Let's go home. Right? He's lost in worship. He's praising and admiring God. Why? Because God is a God who has guided his path. And God guides and directs in our path too. And what is our response to God when he guides and he directs our paths? Is it this type of worship? That's what we should be yearning for. That's what we should desire to see in our lives. A willingness to worship God because he is a God who guides, who directs, who leads us. It's interesting. The servant, he kind of has a couple more worship services as we progress through the story. You'll see them as we go. But he's continually seeking opportunities to worship God. Why? Because God has led him. Because God has led Isaac to have a wife. God guides. And the proper response from you and from me is to worship him for his guidance, for his care in our life in that way. Rebecca runs home and Laban goes to invite him in. It's, you know, he's completely lost in his little worship service by the well, and eventually Laban catches up with him and tells him, uh, this is the way home. But then as you continue to move through the text, the servant uh, gets taken home, and as he's taken home, he's cared for, he's provided for, 
And they're like, let's sit down to eat. And they set the food before him in verse 33. And what is his, his response? His response is, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And as he's telling about the errand, what is the, what is the point of the speech? What is the point of his proclamation? It really isn't just about Rebecca's the right girl. The big idea is God is a God who leads. God is a God who has guided me here. This is God's will. He's providing a testimony to who God is. Yes, he's, he's also hoping to get to actually take the girl home because that's, that's the mission he's been sent on. He doesn't want to disappoint Abraham, right? But the big idea is, is encapsulated in verse 40. Look at verse 40. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angels with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife from my son, from my family, and from my father's house. God has guided me here. He's proclaiming. He's telling people. He's providing a testimony to who God is. He has personally firsthand experience that God is a God who guides, that God is a God who cares for and provides. Do you and I respond in the same way? It's not enough to just respond in faith. It's not enough to just seek God's guidance through preaching, through reading God's word, through wise counselors, through prayer. It's not enough to just go to God and worship and to be lost in the moment and need to become found by Laban. Are you and I proclaiming? Are we excited about it? Is it something that comes up in our natural conversation? Hey, you know, as I was reading God's word this week, this passage really helped to direct my thoughts. As you have conversations with each other, do those conversations guide you? They should be guiding you into how you are to live out the Christian life. And you should be excited about sharing those opportunities. You should be providing testimony to who God is. God is a God who guides. And you have the opportunity as you interact with your friends, with your loved ones, with other church members, to point them and remind them of the truth that God guides, God provides, God demonstrates His faithful covenant faithfulness. How? One way is He guides. Laban, Bethuel, and Rebekah obey and a God who guides. This is in verses 50 through 67. Laban and Bethuel hear the end of the speech in verse 50, and what is their response? I'm not going to argue with that. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good, bad or good. Sure, we're not going to argue. If God is guiding in this way, Fine, we'll go along with it. Verse 52, what happens? Once again, we find the servant worshiping. Why? Because God is a God who guides. God is a God who directs. Verse 52, and it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself 
to the earth. Poor guy still hasn't even eaten. Remember? He's supposed to eat, but he's like, no, before I eat, I'm going to give you my speech. And then he hears their response, and now he's worshiping again. Cheeseburger is going to be cold before he ever gets it. But he's just worshiping. Why? Because God is a God who guides. God is a God who has provided for him, and he is thankful that he is able to worship that type of God. Gifts are bestowed on Rebecca, and as they are bestowed, uh, the servant is then encouraged to wait a few days. They spend the night, and they wake up, and he's like, let's move on, and they're like, no, I'll stay about 10 days. And Abraham's like, or the servant is like, uh, why wait when God's guidance is clear? That's pretty much what he's asking in verse 56. And he said to them, do not hinder me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. God has prospered his way. God has guided him here. Why hinder him? And so Rebecca then is called in and they're like, Hey, Rebecca, are you going to go with this guy or you want to wait for 10 days? And Rebecca chooses to immediately follow God's guidance. Rebecca chooses to obey God's guidance. Rebecca departs with a blessing in verse 60. You see their blessing that her family gave to her. Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. And then Rebecca returns with the servants to the land of what will be Israel. And Isaac is then comforted in verse 67 in his mother's death. Don't think ultimately Isaac is comforted because he has a wife. I think having a wife is a great thing. Believe me, okay? I don't want to be unmarried. I'm happy with my wife. But I don't think verse 67 is saying, get a wife, you'll be comforted, and everything in life will be great. What's the theme of the passage? God's guided. I think primarily... There's comfort in knowing that God guides. That's a far greater comfort than a comfort of a wife. Okay. God has guided. God guides. If God guides and God does guide, how do you and I respond to God's guidance? I think our our response that we're supposed to have to a God who guides has been illustrated time and again as we worked our way through the text. But let's just highlight them once again, just so that we are reminded and encouraged by the fact that God guides and there are numerous ways that I am supposed to respond to this truth that this text illustrates for me. God guides, so I must trust His guidance. And if I'm trusting his guidance, that means I'm going to live in faithful obedience. Are you following him in faithful obedience? You know, some things are, are difficult. Some things are complicated. And you and I will spend time praying. We'll spend time talking to multiple people as we interact with a difficult question about what does the Bible mean on this nuanced aspect? 
And you might talk to me, you might talk to somebody else, you might talk to another pastor that you formerly had, you might go listen to five different messages, you might spend time praying, you might spend time reading all sorts of Bible passages, trying to understand what does this nuanced passage mean. Other times it's really clear. It's abundantly clear. Like, love your enemy. I, I, it doesn't get much more clear than love your enemy. Like, how do you love your friend? Okay. Well, those are the same type of things that you're supposed to do for your enemy. Like, it's abundantly clear. Are you and I following him in faithful obedience? If you say, yes, I trust his guidance, but something as abundantly clear as love your enemy, you're sitting there going, you know, I mean, I could write a paper on this and try to figure out exactly what he means by love your enemy, and maybe it doesn't quite mean what. You're not trusting his guidance because you're not following something that's really abundantly clear as you live out your life. Seek his guidance. God guides through your time in prayer. God guides through your time reading his word, meditating on it, observing, drawing interpretation, seeking to live out the application. God guides you. You seek his guidance through listening to various sermons. You seek God's guidance by talking to trusted friends and counselors and people that you know know God's word. As you encounter difficult situations, situations where it's not maybe abundantly clear to you what God's will is, what God would have you to do in a very specific situation, seek God's guidance. Why? We already know that God is a God who guides. And if God is a God who guides then through some of the means, one of the means or some of the means or all of the means that he has provided, he will guide you in that difficult situation. And so trust him and go and seek that. It might take hard work, but God has promised that he will guide you in even those difficult situations. So seek it. And when you find it, trust it. Live in obedience to it even if it's hard. Proclaim his guidance. You and I have the opportunity to testify to God's faithfulness, to God's guidance in our lives. Are you using the opportunities that you have to proclaim to your children, to proclaim to your grandchildren, to proclaim to your friends, your coworkers, your spouse, I was struggling in this area, but God's word guided me. God is faithful to me. And God will be faithful to you. Will you turn to him and seek his guidance? You have that opportunity. As you encounter God's guidance, you have the opportunity to encourage and challenge other believers to pursue a God who guides. Will you use that opportunity? Will you take that opportunity? And finally, one of my favorites probably, worship him because he guides. Sometimes it can be really easy in a, 
in a time when we're singing to be distracted, whether it's by, you know, a baby crying or by somebody that's singing completely off-key that's next to you. This guy had his, you know, he'd make a long journey to go find a bride, and the bride's running off, and he stayed focused. He kept worshiping. And his response as he tells people about how God is guided as he's worshiping, is that your response? Is that my response? As we come into contact with times where God guides us. So we approach Him in humble worship. Are we thankful? Are we grateful? Do we seek to praise Him and point others to Him? I would encourage you this week to find ways to trust God's guidance, to seek God's guidance, to proclaim God's guidance, and then to worship Him as you see those worked out in your life. Let's go to the Lord in order of prayer. Father, we do thank you for the fact that you are a God who guides us. We pray that we would be willing to humble ourselves. We realize that um, a lot of times it's very difficult for us to um, actually admit that we are in need of help, but we are, we are needy people. We learned this morning that we are helpless and that you are a God who helps those who are helpless. We pray that as we realize that truth that we'd be willing to live it out and that we would seek you as the God who is the God of all guidance and that we would be willing to submit our lives to you. In your name we pray. Amen.